there's this idea that we are not ever trained or given tools to live a really deliberate and thoughtful life. And it's one of those things that just sometimes happens to some people and other people never get the opportunity to really do that. And all of us sort of reap the consequences or rewards of whether we don't do it or we do it. And so that's that, whether it's individual or as a group, that's the thing that I'm kind of interested in sharing some ideas about. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Jay Bercania of Cruise Consulting, Signet Education. He is, some may say a business coach, some may say a life coach. I'm going to call him a success Sherpa. Jay, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Mark. Let me ask you this, Jay. What is the main reason that you see people aren't following that path? Well, I think that we're not, um, we're not really wired to approach our lives in anything really in ways that are beyond just what am I doing today or now or tomorrow, maybe at the most. We're not really that future oriented, naturally speaking. Um, so I think, and additionally, I think that we are, we have a hard time holding ideas about what do I want my life to be, even first just dreaming of those ideas and then holding them and then bringing them into the day to day. Well, what do I need to do today to move in that direction? And so I think that we're not just, we're not really designed um, that way. I think we're designed much more to think about what do I need to do today, you know, to, to, to get to, to the end of the day um, and not really designed to think on that level. And are so we I not allow, are we not allowing ourselves to, is somebody, is there in the internal critic telling us we can't do that? Is somebody else from our upbringing telling us keep your feet on the ground what are you doing dreamer well i think that that this is a as you've probably seen in business this is a it's a skill set to to be to be able to think about the future and to think about your life as a whole to say okay what do i what do i really want i think it's a skill set to kind of go to that level that 30,000 foot level and so first off i don't think that we're really ever trained in that way um, we're very often trained more to say, okay, how do I get the A in this class? Or how do I make sure that my mom or dad doesn't get upset at me and yell at me for this or that? Um, so, so I do think there's a matter of, like, there's some kind of conditioning or training to just put one foot in front of the other and not ask too many questions. Um, but I also think that some people are just not like, dispositionally, just not like, that's not what they like to do. It's a hard thing to do. So I think there's a disposition element too. Some people are dreamers and they're just constantly dreaming, maybe sometimes dreaming so much they can't actually execute. Um, and then I, I also think that there's a bit of a like balance here. We, we can't plan everything about our lives, nor should we. Um, we can't necessarily sort of um, spec out every detail from now to the, to the time that we die. That takes, takes away the the beauty and spontaneity of life. So I do think there's actually 
a balance, right? We don't want to do too much of kind of thinking about the future and planning for the future and visioning our lives because sometimes too much of that will actually take away the natural, you know, unfolding of things. So I think some people are quite resistant just to it because they have that intuition that like, hey, I don't want to necessarily overplan my life or I don't want to take away the spontaneity. So I, I think, it, yeah, it's, it's just a combination of a lot of things. I also think, you know, the society we live in, you know, there was a, there was a point where, where there was sort of a general religious uh, structure in society that, that most people would, would adhere to some kind of religion. There was some kind of morality some kind of framework that we all fit in where, where we were given, this is what's good and this is what's bad and this is what you should do. And this is how you should have a family and so on and so forth. And that's broken down for better and for worse, right? There's some great things that have come out of that, but that's not, that's not necessarily the norm anymore. And so because of that, I think we're left with, without necessarily a framework for building a life or building meaning. And then what comes into, the, into its place is, I think we're surrounded, we're, we live in a very commercial society. So we're surrounded by lots of people telling us that if you just make this money and spend it on this thing, you're going to be happy and you're going to have mm -hmm. a meaningful life. And so we have a, a void of meaning that's then filled with, I think, uh, commerce, which look, I, I run a business. I have nothing against us living in a capitalistic commercial society, but it does encroach in ways on, on things that I think in the past were not necessarily the domain of, of, um, commerce or, or, you know, uh, transactional uh, items. There was, there was something else altogether. And so I think there's a lot of different reasons why we don't, we don't go to that place or we don't think like that. Um, yeah. Is there also a fear of failure, right? If I don't dream it, or if I take this dream out of my mind, then I've eliminated the, the risk of not accomplishing that goal. Oh, completely, completely. I think there's a, a, if you put yourself, it's a vulnerability to say, I want this um, and I'm going to go after it. It also, um, it also means in many cases um, saying no to certain things, right? Let's say if you want to build a life that has, um, you know, you want to prioritize family and you want to prioritize health, um, then maybe you say, I'm going to work less but that's kind of scary, right? Um, so saying no to certain opportunities or things that we feel like we should be doing, I think that can can also play play a part in it as well. Is there a way to find that balance? Yeah, I think it's it's actually all quite boring if you ask me. What over the last several years, what I've come to as a sort of method for myself for entrepreneurs that I work with and through my company Signet Education for students that we work with um, is it's sort of a method to, to step back, reflect on one's life, what one wants, right? Which is actually a skill. It's sometimes hard to know what we even want. Then deciding on that, moving toward it, and then repeating that process over and over again. So what do I want? Let me articulate it. Let me try to move toward it. And generally speaking, as you move towards something, especially in the early stages of, of this process, you realize, oh, oh, that's not actually what I wanted. I thought I wanted that, but I actually want something else. And, and then allowing yourself to revise and update and then do it again. 
And that happens on, you know, uh, anything from like a daily basis all the way up to a lifetime. It's kind of the same pattern over and over again. And so uh, this method that, that, that I've kind of put together, there's nothing I think particularly unique in terms of the specific components. These are all things that um, lots of people have done for a very long time, um, but I've tried to assemble them into a, into a approach that is easy and, and systematic. Um, this approach really is all about articulating um, what is my life about? And for adults, that's usually kind of thinking about your whole life. For younger, for students and adolescents, they're not usually in a place where it makes sense to be thinking about their whole life. So they're thinking about, you know, the next major milestone by the time I graduate high school or when I go to college um, and thinking about what you want across different domains of your life, um, why you want that, right? What you value. Uh, and then turning that into, well, how exactly am I going to get there through a set of habits and a set of uh, projects essentially. Um, and so it's turning a vision into a very simple set of things to do, and then having the accountability to execute on those to move forward on them. So you work with both entrepreneurs and young rising students. Are you curriculum fairly similar? Um, the principles are similar. Okay. I'd say the curriculum, the curriculum has similarities. Like if you saw the two sort of approaches, you'd say, okay, I can see how those work. But the focus is definitely um, different. So with an entrepreneur, you're thinking about, um, in many cases, you're thinking about, you know, finances. You're uh, often you're thinking about family and relationships and marriage and parenting, depending on their life stage. Um, you're thinking about the business as well and how's the business structured and exit planning and that, that sort of thing. Um, you're thinking about roles and responsibilities. What, what does a great day look like? There's a lot of flexibility and freedom. With students, you're typically typically thinking about um, what is it that I'm interested in and why, what, what do I value, and then how do I pursue that in the structure that I'm in, because typically students are in a structure that they're somewhat bound to, they're going to school or they're, you know, in a family that, that they have to kind of abide by the, the structure of the family, the rules of the family. So it's much more, um, I think it's a little bit more focused. Uh, for students and adolescents on those next steps in that academic journey, as well as, of course, the personal journey as well. Whereas with entrepreneurs, it's really, and part of the reason I love working with entrepreneurs is because literally, like anything is possible. And that's how entrepreneurs think. They just, you know, they, they don't, they're not constrained by, well, I've never done this before, or I don't think I should do that, or I, you know, somebody told me I shouldn't do that. Uh, rather, they can, if they tend to be able to dream it, then they, they tend to want to go after it. Are you seeing that in the younger generation though, as you're building, because you're creating lofty goals and visions for them in a di very different way, but are you seeing their eyes open to the possibilities? Yes, um, definitely. But I think with the younger um, students that we work with and we typically work with high schoolers not really below that it's a little hard, harder to do this below that though there's a version of this that can be done but high schoolers and college students and really you're kind of um if you think about it like you're you know as as a adult you're in a life stage that lasts for a very long time like a, has some similarities over the course of you know let's say 
from about 25 to maybe 55 or 60 is probably, uh, you know, going to have similar themes in that life stage, mm -hmm. of course, different major events, but similar themes. You know, you're, you're building a career, you're potentially building a family or, or a relationship. Um, you're looking at developing some kind of stability for the future. Um, and you're looking at trying to find those things that really bring you joy. Uh, it, whereas for, for an adolescent, you, you're looking at maybe something like age 15 to age 20 as the time frame, And so your, your aperture is much tighter. So it's not necessarily quite as lofty. So for some people it is, but for others, it's like, hey, I really think I enjoy interacting with people and my strength is connecting with people. And so I'm gonna navigate through my academic journey with that in mind and try to explore what's next there. So what we're ideally teaching uh, with, with everyone I work with, but especially with, with the younger students is just this idea of like inquiry, asking yourself, okay, what, where, what am I good at? What can I bring to the world? What brings me joy? How can I be of service to others? And then how do I actually do something about that um, and navigate myself toward uh, a place that makes more sense for me than, than where I am now, or a place that brings me more joy or gives me more opportunity. And so it's, it's a lot more kind of, it's a lot more tightly focused, but, but the same principle applies. It's thinking about, you know, what is it that, where, where should I be going and how do I get there? Which is very simple, but it's just amazing that we're not, it's not something that's taught. But you know what I love about what you're saying and what you were saying earlier that I think gets people stuck is you can change what your goal is. If you're going in a path and you're determined to get there, but you realize halfway there, I don't really like this. That's okay. Totally okay. And, and can be scary as hell sometimes, yeah. right? That I, was uh, my dream. That's what I yeah. always thought I was going to do. Or there's, there's these different layers of it, right? There's a layer of like just practical, okay, I live in this location and this other thing that I think I should be doing is in this other location. So there's these practical considerations or, hey, I don't have training in this thing, but I think I want to do it now. And so how do I get that? And then there's sort of a, a social consideration, right? There's this idea that we, we feel very often, I don't know that other people necessarily feel this about us, but we feel we have to be consistent in some way, shape or form. Um, and then there's also the kind of personal identity uh, layer of this where, it, like you just alluded to, I've defined myself as this to myself and to others. And how can I like, how can I change that? It's very disorienting. I think we, we build our identities slowly, bit by bit by bit, and to change them is kind of challenging. But I, I think that's where, that's where kind of a systematic approach to thinking through this and reflecting on this and making these decisions, um, thinking about it on a quarterly basis, on a weekly basis, even to some extent on a daily basis. I think that's what gives us, can feed the confidence to make that change versus you hear a little nagging voice. You've been doing something for five or 10 years and you think it's the right thing to do and you hear a little nagging voice and it's easier to tune that out if you don't listen to it and say, well, hey, what are you saying? And let me actually consider this. And what, what does that mean for me? And eventually, if you keep doing that, if it's the right direction, you'll build a case for yourself that will outweigh the, all, the, all the kind of inertia. 
But if you don't do that, that, that can be where we end up getting stuck or where the voice has to get so loud or hit us upside the head with a piano before we actually you know, listen to it. So help me understand how you work with folks to, to scratch down and dig into that. Yeah. Find, find well, that. Sure. So, so it actually, um, it's, it's the history of it is that when I um, graduated college and started working, I sort of realized that like I had to have some systems in my life. So I've, I've actually looked at this maybe in the last year, this document that I started developing about like different systems for managing different things in my life. Um, because I'm not a particularly linear or organized or systematic person by nature. So I realized if I want to accomplish the things I want to actually get done, uh, at that point I was in music school trying to build a business, um, I had to have some systems. So I, I was already in that, moving in that direction. And then when I started and in, in kind of dove deeper into the business, then those systems became more important from a business perspective, right? We all know that if you're running a business, if you have the right systems in place, it can, it can make life a lot better for everyone in the business, for your clients. And so then after kind of trying to do that for a while, um, I came across uh, some, some systems that, that we could bring into the business, uh, put those in and realized, wait a second, there, there's sort of some nice like principles or rhythms that we use in business that we could also use in, in a personal life. So it kind of connected, it gave me that bridge to really tie together all those ideas that I had prior to, um, you know, to, to, starting, to, to, to starting to use systems in the business. So a lot of this thinking comes from some of the business ideas that I have, but is also colored by, you know, my study of uh, comparative religion, of psychology, um, relationships and years of coaching. And so really what I like to do with clients is first start with asking uh, you know, questions that help them to understand where it is that they feel like they're going and what they want from their lives. Um, and so in some cases, we'll start with an assessment. Uh, in most cases, we'll start with like a life assessment where you go through and you kind of evaluate your life on a bunch of different dimensions. And you kind of, it starts to give you awareness of and even tools and language to start thinking about your life in a multi-dimensional way. And then from there, I like to have clients, um, you know, think about the end of their lives, right? When, when they're, um, you know, looking back on their lives from, from that distant day in the future, hopefully when everything's gone their way, what do they see? What did they do? What did they accomplish? Um, and then start them from there, then backing that into the present to say, all right, well, if that's the end, then what does it look like in you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? The, the time period ranges, it's usually connected to life events. So you could think about if you're an entrepreneur and you're say 45, you might start with kind of the very end of your life, your eulogy and thinking about what that looks like. And then maybe you, you back it into around your retire, desired retirement age, if that's a concept that you're, you're using. And then, may, then you bring it closer um, to a point where you can start to articulate specifically what you want your life to look like. And the closer you get, the higher the resolution gets. So then ideally you have a picture, um, you know, two, three, four, five years from now of what that life looks like. Um, what does my health look like? What do my relationships look like? Uh, what is my, 
relationship with myself look like? Uh, what kind of work am I doing? Uh, where am I living? And all those kinds of questions come into play. And for each person, that, that vision of it is a little bit different. And then you bring that into the present to say, all right, well, what do I need to do this year, this quarter, this month, today to move toward that goal? Um, so that's sort of the, the backbone of all of this. And then once you have that, and that takes some time to work through, depending on the, the client and the format, it's anywhere from, you know, a couple of days of intense work to maybe three months of kind of ongoing work. Once you have that, then it's all about learning the right tools and techniques to execute on that. So once you have a picture of what this week needs to look like or what the next day needs to look like, we need to make sure we're building the habits uh, and giving the person the right tools that they need to then move toward that. So for some people that's um, you know, working on daily routines, uh, for other people it's you know, kicking off uh, habits that they've been meaning to start for a while, exercise, nutrition. Um, you know, I'm not a nutritionist or personal trainer, but uh, a lot of my work has and does focus on um, just building habits and learning how to do new things and moving to a different kind of life. Um, and so really, we're trying to build the skills to then execute on the vision that somebody has. How challenging is it for people to dig in and write their eulogy? Uh, it, you know, it, it, it depends. I think for some people, they've, they've maybe spent some time thinking about that part of their life or where they want to go. Um, and maybe it's not as challenging for, but for many people, that's, you know, we're, we're, our society is very, uh, death is very removed from our society. It's not something that we see. It's not something that we're exposed to. Um, the rituals around it are sort of all shrouded behind closed doors and, you know, um, you know, black clothes and the, the, the hearse, like we don't see the body. And so death is kind of removed. And so we're not really thinking about death very often. And so I think to, to sit down and face that and, and really face the finitude of, of one's life um, and, and really kind of think through what, what one wants to get done by then or what, how one wants to be in the world. I think that can be quite challenging. Um, but I think ultimately it's such a beautiful thing to do because it then our lives gain value by being bound by time. If, if we had, if, if our lives lasted forever and we weren't oriented in sort of a finite amount of time, you know, every day is just, you know, there's another day. Nothing has, time doesn't have the same value that it does when it's finite. So when we come face to face with that, and then also even an extension of that is thinking about, well, all right, I have a plan to live until I'm 100 or 90 or whatever I'd like to. But then asking the question, well, what if I got hit by a bus next week um, or uh, next month or in five years from now? Going through that exercise helps us orient towards what's really most important. So I, you know, to answer your question, I think it can be um, quite challenging for some people, but it sort of unlocks a way of thinking about the world that can be jarring and disturbing, but also very, very uh, inspiring. I, I would imagine very healing and, and very much eye-opening, right? Because maybe now that I'm sitting here in my coffin, I'm going in the wrong direction and I well, need to back up and figure this out. The interesting thing that happens is 
in the moment, we tend to be focused on, I'd say, say just speaking mostly for entrepreneurs and even for students, we tend to be focused on the work of our lives. But when you're reflecting on what you want your life to be about, ten, it tends to have to do more with relationships. Because so that's usually kind of like a, a nice little contrast that creeps in and people realize, wait a second. All right, the work is important, obviously. That's the, that's the vehicle for, for many people for meaning and impact and, and or just building the foundation for relationships. But often it's those relationships or those sort of deeper um, desires or pursuits for some people that can be artistic or transcendent or religious or service oriented. You know, those are those tend to be the things that we think about when we think about the end of our lives and reflect back on on what we think will be important to us at that point. So how do we go from writing our eulogy and really becoming vulnerable and realizing what we want for intent and purpose and dialing it back to daily habits. How does that process work? Process is the right word because there's a version of this that you do like initially. And then, you know, a year later, it tends to evolve and it tends to continue to evolve as you continue to reflect on it. But most of the stuff that we think about in this process is not going to be a surprise. Um, it's not like all of a sudden, you know, you, you do this process and you realize, oh my gosh, I gotta, I'm, I'm like in the wrong life. Like I need to go do something else. Usually we're kind of somewhere in the direction or have a pretty strong intuition about the direction we want to go. So it's much more like, a. it's not quite like this, but to use metaphor, it's a little bit of archeology span of sort of just uh, excavating and dusting off, like finding the corners and the boundaries of what we really want and what we think is important. And then, and then actually articulating it and writing it down. That's the part that I think is most important. And so as you write these things down, you start to force yourself to make decisions and to come to grips with the fact that you can't do everything and that everything that you do tends to have um, an opportunity cost of some kind. And then you start to say, oh, wait a second. I realize now I'm taking, I like the, the idea of taking a debt. Um, I'm taking a debt from myself in order to pursue this other thing, or I'm taking a debt from my family in order to pursue this other thing. For entrepreneurs, it's very often it's work. It's, I, I'm, and, and when you start to write down what you, think you want and what you think is important, you start to realize, wait a second, I'm not actually operating in that direction. So back to your question, how do you actually do it? I think it's just literally a lot of feeling around in the dark. <laughs> um, it's a very imprecise uh, process, uh, uh, you know, at first, but you really just have to pick a point in time, put yourself in the shoes of, of who you think you want to be at that point in time, articulate what you see, and then you know, you pick another point in time, closer to yourself, another point in time. So usually we're working with um, three or four distinct kind of points in the future that we're articulating. And the closer they get, the more in focus they get, right? It's hard to see our lives in, in crystal clear focus 50 years from now, but it's not so hard to see it in, in clearer focus two years from now or five years from now. And, and then it's just a, a sort of set of 
specific prompting questions to say, okay, well, what is this? Like, what do your finances look like in order to have the life that you you think that you want? What is your relationship if you're married? What is your relationship with your spouse look like? What is your relationship with your kids look like? How old are they going to be? What is your relationship with your parents look like? Uh, how old are they going to be? Where are you living? Right. So so breaking it down into some some real specific prompts to help to try to 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 sort of frame out what what it is that we need to fill in to understand what we what we think we want our lives to look like. But I have to say it again, I said it earlier in a different way, but I have to say again, whenever I on my template that I use for this with clients, um, I always put at the top, uh, man plans, God laughs, because <laughs> ultimately, um, you know, this is all just, we have to do this with a, a deep sense of humility because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we've all experienced in our own lives that everything can change all of a sudden for the, for the better, or sometimes what we think is for the worse. So often those things for the worse end up being for the better in the long run. Um, and I think if we hold too tightly a plan, then we end up closing off, you know, the, the, the doors of luck or serendipity or inspiration. So I, I always, I always say like, it's, it's, it's important to really think this through carefully because we want to have a direction, but we need to hold that very lightly as we go forward and listen to what's coming in uh, from, from around us, the feedback that we're getting from the world as we're engaging to help refine and update and change. And also being open to like a totally radical 90, 90 degree turn off of that path that we thought we were on, if that's really what's right. So how do we figure out what's right? So we then dial it back to the day and create habits around it. Yeah. So ideally what we can, what we end up with is a set of, you know, anywhere from uh, five to 10 uh, things that we want to accomplish in, I like the quarter um, 90 days is a nice, just, just kind of long chunk of time to get something done, but short enough to not, you know, totally go off the rails. Um, but a lot of people benefit from a month time frame, And so it's just, what are the key things that I need to accomplish in, in this upcoming month? So, uh, for example, you know, some of the things that often come up are, Hey, I had kids, you know, 10 years ago and I still don't have my estate plan done. Okay. Well, let me actually commit to that. Or, um, you know, my finances are in a mess. I don't know how much we're spending. I don't know how much. We're, okay. Let me commit to the first chunk of that. Or, you know what, as my life has evolved, I've grown distant from my partner. And so what I'm going to do is take some concerted steps to put in quality time in a way that I know is going to hopefully unfold. Or it's, hey, I know that I've been struggling with, you know, uh, anxiety. And so I need to finally sign up and see a therapist, right? We try to identify what those things are that are standing in the way between us and that vision. So for some of those, it's kind of security and just shoring things up. And for others, it's aspirational. It's like, oh, now I really want to start for me. One of the ones that I, I have been, has been on my list for a while and now has finally made it into this quarter is um, I've always wanted to learn and do jujitsu. It just seems like a great community, a cool discipline, great, great for, for health. And so finally on my quarter list is to attend at least four jujitsu classes this quarter, right? So there's a set of those things that are, are, you know, I might call projects. And those are above and beyond what we do, you know, in our, in our daily life and our work. 
but they're things that are meant to move us toward, remove a barrier, move us towards a vision of our life. And then there's also uh, a set of habits. Um, and I call these power habits because they're the things that kind of, um, I think about like the cell phone battery image. They're the things that keep our battery full. And for everybody, they, they tend to be a little bit different, um, but they tend to be a lot of common themes. Uh, so uh, nutrition, sleep, exercise, uh, quality time with loved ones, um, those tend to be uh, a lot of the, the power habits that I find that most people end up saying, you know what, if I did these three things or four things every day, or even a couple days a week, then I would really be in a great sort of equilibrium to then get the most out of my life and to move forward on those other items. So, so we take that vision and we pull it all the way back, uh, all the way into the present from, from the distant future. And we turn it into a list of things that we need to get done and uh, in the quarter in a set of habits that typically take a week format where we need to, you know, in a particular week, we need to do X amount of this, X, Y amount of this, Z amount of this. And those two things end up being the two major levers or tools that we use to, to kind of move forward to, toward that future that we really want uh, versus, you know, just kind of moving forward in a uh, not thoughtful or not deliberate way. What do you say to the client who says, you know, Jay, I, I, I think I've got the right habits in here, but I'm not committing to them. I, I don't know how to check the box that says I didn't do it. So that's where there's like, that's the, so, so those two things become kind of the, the, the engine for, for progress. So, uh, or the levers perhaps uh, for progress. So did I get through that list of five to 10 things that I said were important for me to do this month? And am I um, meeting my standards for these basic habits that I, that I set out for myself? However, just arriving at that conclusion and being able to actually do that are two very different things. Mm. And so that's where the real magic happens because that's where the real change has to happen. It's fine to sit in a room or you know, you know, somewhere with a coach on Zoom, and come up with all this. But then actually moving from, you know, where you are to doing those things, it, you would if you were already doing them, you wouldn't need to do this process, right? Or you it wouldn't be as valuable. That's where the coaching happens. So that's where you you have to make yourself vulnerable and basically just say, I think this is what I need to be doing on a daily basis, and I'm going to try. And if I don't, if I'm not able to do it, then I'm going to start asking the question of, okay, well, is it really that important? And if it is, then why am I not able to do it? And that starts to, to kind of open up the opportunity for change. And change is so possible. Um, you know, you hear, hear, hear often people say, oh, people can't change or people can't develop new habits or after a certain age, it's hard. That's like, it's totally possible. It's just a matter of first, how much do you want it? So we the things that we have on those lists have to be things we actually want. And then the second is then, it's just the tactics. It's the environment, the internal environment, what's going on inside your head, external environment, your routines, um, you know, your priorities. And that's where the real kind of coaching and magic tends to happen because that's when you take somebody who hasn't had an exercise habit and then all of a sudden they're exercising a couple times a week or, 
you know, well, not all of a sudden typically, but usually over the course of time, or they have had a um, rocky relationship with their kids because they never really thought that there was sort of a lever or method to actually improve that. And then they did the work to figure out what they needed to do and then built the habit of investing the quality time or changing the way that they approached using these simple tools of, you know, weekly habits and projects. Um, so it, once you have the vision and the ideas, then it's the banging against them. When, when you get them, you celebrate. And when you miss them, it's, it's banging against that and saying, wait a second, now, now, now how do I approach this? What do I do? This is where it's often helpful to work with a coach because we all have had that situation in our lives where we try to do something and we try it for a couple of weeks and we're like, ah, and it just falls away because it's just too hard. Nobody's holding you accountable, right? Nobody's holding you accountable. And it's just, it's just too painful to, to keep kind of engaging with. And you, nobody's not just the accountability, but nobody's asking those compassionate questions, compassionately asking the questions of, well, what happened? And is this really important? How do you think you might change your approach to this that will help you maybe be more successful with this in, in the next time you try Nobody's helping you to get into that space between what it is that you want to do and what you're doing now and really try to ask, like, how do we actually navigate through here? Um, that's hard. Uh, and so I think that's where often working with a coach to help you then realize what, what it is that you've identified that's important to you and you want to do, that that's, that's really can be quite powerful. And very often, the best coaching is not somebody telling you, well, you have to do it this way, or this is the right method right. for this. It's somebody saying, helping you to understand, you know more about your life than anyone does. And so it's helping you to kind of unpack, well, what's really standing in my way and what do I think is going to work best? Because we typically have our, we typically have the best answers. They just have to be kind of coaxed out of us in a, in a sort of safe environment. A safe environment. So not a curriculum with a boot camp. This is the way it's done. If you take step one, you got to go to step two. It's more of a process, a journey, a digging, a scratching, yeah. a clawing, perspective, exactly. retrospect. And for whatever reason, Mark, I just love that. <laughs> like I can't get enough of that in my own life and, and with the people that I'm, you know, uh, privileged to, to work with, uh, they let me into their lives. And like, there's just something about that journey, about that sort of um, constant movement forward that growth that i just can't get enough of i think that's just sort of the, the something just remarkable uh, in, well, in humanity well clearly there's no you know quick let's take a pill and let's get to where we want to be so you know someone's working with you they've worked with you for a while this is not a you know get rich quick kind of thing this is a life journey if they've been working with you and and they're referring you, or maybe they, they want to get online and they want to put a review together. You know, what are they saying about Jay, the coach? Uh, you'd have to ask them. <laughs> but I think that uh, makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not always the best at, at this kind of thing. I think, um, I think what I'd like, I can tell you what I'd like them to say. Um, and what I'd like them to say is that this is a person that has partnered with me to help me get the most, to, to help me get what, what I want for myself in my life. Um, and, and somebody who's helped me to kind of 
focus on what's important and prioritize that and move towards that and celebrates when when we do move in that direction and is there to sort of uh, compassionately help to understand when we don't and and is just that partner in that journey and that partnership you know may last for some people you know a short time you know six to 12 months and for others it can be a lot longer if that's what they need so it's not a it's often for a season or for a period or for trying to accomplish or get something off the ground or until they feel just comfortable with the method that they can uh, do it on their own. Although I will say very often, even, even I have a hard time doing this method just by myself. Right. And so I think it's something that is very much, something that very much needs a community of some kind. Could just be a friend, could be a couple of people that are doing it together. Um, but I think it's hard to do kind of hard to, to do this journey just totally by yourself. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a coach. Once you understand the mechanics and the principles and the, the method, it can be with, with a, a fellow traveler on the path, but it tends to have to be with, with, with somebody. So if somebody were to want to join that journey with you, how would they get in touch with you? Um, they could find me through my company, Signet Education or um, through the consulting group that I work with, uh, Cruise Consulting Group, either one of those, uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch. And we'll put some of those links below, folks. So if you're listening to this in your show notes, we'll have some contacts for Jay. Jay, you're asking people to get vulnerable. Vulnerability, we think, is so very important. Part of vulnerability is putting yourself out there, right? Podcasts going out there, sticking your neck out, sharing your stories, sharing your wishes, your goals, your values. One of the things we've realized in our journey is that karaoke creates an element of vulnerability. (laughs) And because you're a vulnerable person, we know that when we get together and we're doing karaoke, you're going to get up there and sing. So Jay, (laughs) maybe (laughs) what song are you going to sing? All right. I think that if I if I had to kind of tune back into some some, uh, some songs from my childhood, I think it would be something from Queen, maybe Bohemian Rhapsody. Whoa, you're yeah. gonna give it a go. You're going for it. Bigger have go. You ever done? Have you ever done karaoke? I think I have once. Okay, you think <laughs> it's a monumental moment for most. So now, folks, when we get together, we're gonna see Jay singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Jay, it's so amazing to see you again. Um, I know folks are merely hearing you, but this is a beautiful, wonderful person. And I, um, I really appreciate your friendship and, uh, and your leadership and your, your willingness to share your journey and, and, and allow people to find their journey. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. 
Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.